It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you for choosing this special spotlight on the golden age of radio. I'm Patrick Riley, host of The Riley and Kimmy Show. Our featured golden age of radio production will be uninterrupted for your listening pleasure. After this tribute, please visit our website, RileyandKimmy.com, for our archived daily episodes. Our episodes focus on the world of old-time radio, nostalgia, and pop culture trivia. That's RileyandKimmy.com. song from I Was a Teenage Werewolf. You could have fooled me. Now do you know what this is? No. This is the sixth show of a series of a brand new radio series. From Hollywood, we present the Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy Mayer. Plus the songs of Peggy Taylor with Dawes Butler, June Foray, Peter Leeds, and the Judd Conlon, Rillamares. No use to look for us on TV, because in case you did not know, we're being brought to you on, brought to you on, brought to you on our ADI. Well, this was the night we were going to bring you tap dancing around the world, but due to a jurisdictional dispute between the four stepbrothers and Mrs. Arthur Murray, uh, <laughs> it'll have to be postponed a bit. But it's great to be with you tonight. We have a... Uh, pardon me, Mr. Freeberg, but my name is Tweedley. Well, we all have our problems. <laughs> I am the censor from the Citizens Radio Committee, and... Uh, I feel... You, uh, from the Citizens Radio Committee, you say? It's exactly what I said, yes. And what, I, is, what is your purpose in being here? I must okay all the material used on your program here. And I think the best method is to just sit back here and interrupt when I feel it's necessary. You mean you plan to stop me every time I do something that you think is wrong? Exactly. I'll just sound my little horn like this. <laughs> And then you stop, and I'll tell you what's wrong. Uh, somehow I can tell this is going to be one of those days. <laughs> you just go right ahead, Mr. Freeberg. Don't mind me. Yeah. Now I'd like to say... <laughs> you forgot to say thank you, Mr. Freeberg. Politeness is an essential in radio programming. Your program goes into the home. We must be a good influence on children. 
I see. Uh, well, uh, that's a nice little horn you have there. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much, Mr. Tweedley. You're welcome, I'm sure. I'd like to sing a old river song in honor this week of National Mississippi Riverboat Paddle Wheel Week. <laughs> Mr. May, if you please. Very polite, Mr. Freeper. Thank you. Old Man River, that old... <laughs> All right, Tweedley, politeness I dig, but what in the world is wrong with Old Man River? The word old has a connotation some of the more elderly people find distasteful. I would suggest you make the substitution, please. I suppose you insist precisely. You may continue. Okay, music. You forgot to say Say thank thank you. you. Yes, okay. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. Tweedley. You're quite welcome, I am sure. Elderly man, river. That elderly man, river. He must know something. But he don't say nothing. I told it, fellas. Now what, Tweedley? The word something, you left off the G. <laughs> but that's authentic. Something. Something. That's the way the people I'm uh, sorry. talk uh, down there. What? The home is a classroom, Mr. Freeberg. I know you said that. Keep in mind the tiny tots. <laughs> and but furthermore, think back. You'll recall that you said... But he don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. That was in quotes. Now, really, Mr. Freeberg, that's a double negative. Do you mean he does say something? No, I just wasn't using my head, I guess. <laughs> I mean, after all, it should be grammatically correct, keeping in mind... Mine's the tiny tots, yes. You probably mean he doesn't say anything. I, I, I suppose I mean that, yes, I guess. <laughs> All right, uh, fine. You win. All right, Billy, music. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, I'm sure. Elderly man, river, that elderly man, river, he must know something, but he doesn't say anything. He just keeps rolling, rolling. He just keeps rolling along. He don't... He doesn't plant taters, potatoes, he doesn't plant cotton, and them, these, those that plant them are soon forgotten, but every man river, it just keeps rolling along. Excellent! Tiny tots again, was it? Exactly. Sorry about that. Here we go. You and I, we sweat, perspire, and pray. Bodies all and wrecked with pain. Well, we got by that one. Hold that part. Take your finger off the button, Mr. Tweedley. We <laughs> all over lick. Well, that concludes Elderly Man River. Now turning to uh, the uh, sports page here. Oh, yes, and thank you for being with us, Mr. Tweedley. You're welcome, I am sure. <laughs> Once 
Once more, we present Mr. Robert E. Tainter, the man who looks for the dirty linen in the history hamper. And here he is, Bob Tainter. Uh, thanks. Uh, when did you get out, Bob? This morning. Uh, I thought you were doing 30 days. I was. But I got in touch with a friend of mine in the DA's office. He's a big wheel, Stan. A big wheel. Pretty big, huh? Yes, he might do you some good sometime. Well, I don't think that's going to be necessary. <laughs> you never can tell, Stan. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did he uh, get you out? Well, uh, you know the confidential magazine trial? Mm-hmm. A lot of movie stars are suing the magazine for libel. Yeah, there's some pretty unpleasant testimony there. Yeah. Confidential figures on laying it on the stars, pretty good, Stan. I know. Well, what I told this wheel was, why don't I see what I can get on the folks over at Confidential? <laughs> he, uh, went for it. I think it's kind of a cute switch myself. <laughs> yeah, that's a darling idea. Uh, what item of soiled linen have you dug out of the history hamper for us tonight? Well, it's a scorcher, Stan. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Did you ever hear of Giacomo... Casabianca? Yeah, wasn't he on the Ed Sullivan show? No, that's another Giacomo Casabianca. The guy I'm talking about was a boy in history. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the linen stand. My good friend, Ertwing Somber, will fill you in. Wait a minute, you mean the Ertwing Somber is a good friend of yours? Oh, I got a lot on this cookie stand. <laughs> got a few minutes? I'll... Uh... No, no, let's just get on with it. Mr. Somber, if you please. Great moments in history. But what is the real story behind these moments? The time is August in the year of 1798. The event, the Battle of the Nile. The flagship of the fleet has blown up and caught fire. A young lad with jaws clenched stands on the bridge. All right, boy. The time is now. Go stand on the burning deck. First you give me the money. Then I'll stand on the burning deck. <laughs> oh, Bob Tater, that was awful. I don't believe it. Each man has his own stool pigeon stand. Yeah, but that boy, Casabianca, was a hero. Well, so was my grandfather until he chickened out on Custer's last stand. <laughs> Let's get lost, will you, Bob? I want to introduce Peggy Taylor. Sure, Stan. No offense. Mm, here she is, Peggy Taylor. <laughs> well, Peggy, I want the folks to know more about you, you know. Oh, well, like what, Stan? Well... Now, in interviews, it's kind of standard practice to ask about hobbies. Hobbies? Yeah. Well, see, when I was a little girl, I raised rabbits. You mean you had the rabbits and they raised themselves? <laughs> yes. <laughs> More to the point. Yeah. Oh, yes, Mr. Tainer. Where did you get the rabbits? Well, they were given to me. It could be the old payola, you know, Stan. Oh, stop it, will you? My father gave them to me. There. Now you're satisfied? Sure, Stan. Maybe she had something on her father. <laughs> oh, just quit it, will you? Peggy wants to sing. 
Yeah? My friend at the DA's office will be glad to hear that. <laughs> so will a lot of people. Sing, will you please, Peggy? Rockabye, your baby with a Dixie melody. When you croon, croon a tune from the heart of Dixie. Hang that cradle, mammy mine, on that Mason-Dixon line. And sing out from Virginia to Tennessee with all the love that's in ya. Weep no more, my lady, sing that song again to me. So soft and low, just as though you had me on your knee. A million baby kisses I'll deliver The minute that you sing that Swanee River Rock-a-bye, your rock-a-bye baby With a Dixie melody Rock-a-bye, your baby With a Dixie melody When you croon, croon a tune From the heart of Dixie Hang that cradle, Danny mine, on that Mason-Dixon line, and sing out from Virginia to Tennessee with all the love that's in ya. Weep no more, my lady, sing that song against me, so soft and low, just as though you had me on your knee. A million baby kisses I'll deliver The minute that you sing that funny river rock a your rock of my baby With a Dixie panel of experts are with us once again tonight. Mr. G.L. Spoon, Miss Edna St. Louis, Missouri, and Dr. Linus Quartz. I'm your moderator, Fulbrook Mason. Now to meet the panelists, first of all, Dr. Quartz, I believe you received your doctor's degree at MIT. Uh, what was your fee? <clears throat> I received my doctor's degree in Little Orphan Annie. That was my major. Uh, my minor was Little Abner. Next, Miss Edna St. Louis, Missouri, who received her master's degree in Tarzan. Yes, the uh, subject of my thesis for my master's degree was Tarzan and the Apes and his uh, influence on the 20th century culture. All right. <laughs> now, our third panelist, G.L. Spoon, a roving reporter. And you covered the comic strips, didn't you? Uh, that's right. The funnies are my beat, yeah. And what school did you attend? Well, uh, I didn't attend any school as such. Uh, let's just say I'm from the school of hard knocks. That's not original, but it's very apt. I see. I uh, may not have any doctor's degrees like some other people around here, but uh, 
I'll go on the $64,000 question anytime with my subject. And that is? Dick Tracy. <laughs> I don't see any reason to go around there with a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Spoon. Look, I haven't got any chip on my yeah, shoulder. You have a chip on your shoulder. It's I do obvious. Not, I do not have a chip on my shoulder, Dr. Coyd. I don't have to go to college to learn about Dick Tracy. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, if you have anything to say, please, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. Raise now you. then, the first question today is sent in by a listener is... Uh, why doesn't Tarzan do as much swinging as he used to? <laughs> Dr. Coyne, too old for it. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, Doctor. Tarzan's my subject. Furthermore, he's not too old. It's the man's just... too old. No, no, no. It's, it's just that his vines aren't so good as they used to be. Uh, actually, I think we can dispense with that vine stuff, Miss Missouri. We all know that he uses ropes. Oh, wait a minute. He doesn't use ropes. I guess I ought to know. Yeah. Tarzan uses real genuine ropes. See? I, I mean, he uses vines. Well, look, vines, vines are ropes. The fact is, a 72-year-old man is not going to go <laughs> swinging across the ravine. Oh, uh, uh, sweetheart, you I don't think little orphan Annie will ever see 45 again. Dialogue balloon. A little senile, eh? Yeah. Well, I uh, think the way she's handling those criminals in the canyon there it doesn't look like the work of an old lady, does it? Yeah. Oh, All right, well, let's, let's, let's get an old lady. Uh, uh, we get on to the next. Whip those criminals. She's a nice yeah. old lady. Could we please <laughs> have anything? Girl is eight years old. I know. No, no. We get on to the next question. I think we have completed that question. She dyes her hair. She got a red hair. She dyes her hair. Oh, you're a real card tonight, aren't you? Yes, you know. That uh, Mr. Spoon, did you have your hand up? I certainly did. In oh. fact, it went to sleep. Oh. <laughs> We're going to talk about criminals here. I think we should leave that to the Dick Tracy expert. Oh, that's it. That's a wonderful idea. All right, now here's our next question. Is Morin Plenty really guilty of the triple murder? Now we're getting somewhere. Never mind, Anne. It's they... dull stuff. Dull. What do you mean, dull? Not dull. dull. Let's talk about some of the orphan Annie characters. Punjab, for instance. Now, there's a man. Oh, Punjab. It sounds like a misprint. Oh, that's Punjab. Could he drop a leopard with a four-inch letter opener? Well, they just dropped his cloak to... over the leopard. Wait a minute, oh, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I got my oh, hand oh, up. I got my... One point at a time. Look, I was... You got your hand up, boy. All right, I... Get on, get on. Listen, it's still asleep. You let me talk, but we're in the language. I was under the impression we were talking about Dick Tracy. That's, that's correct. Cool. Are we going to play the game? Yes. Dick Tracy is such a world beater. How come he let Morant Honey's sister-in-law put a 38 caliber bullet in his stomach? Yeah, how about how that? Come that? It was a 22 short, and it was just a flesh wound. It didn't actually enter the skull. Uh, oh, yeah, shall, 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 shall we just, just a moment, shall we just stick to the question? There's the man. I, I, just, I just want your opinion. <laughs> that girl in the skimpy dress shot him in the head, and I, uh, I just, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the radio audience, these are the opinions of our panelists and do not necessarily represent the opinions of CBS Radio and its affiliates. <laughs> now, the uh, question, yes, well, I, uh, the question is now, is Morin Plenty guilty? Hmm? Miss Missouri? Guilty. Hmm. Dr. Coyne? Not guilty. Mr. Spoon? I can't express my opinions on this because I may be called in as an expert witness at the time of the trial. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess we, we have a hung jury here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, the next question, I uh, subject, uh, is wardrobe. Wardrobe. Yes, wardrobe. 
does or does not often any have more than one red dress? <laughs> Dr. Coy's hand shot up. You're first. Ah, uh, yes. The man who uh, received his doctor's degree... And little orphan Annie. You have got to keep rubbing that in, don't you? I'm not rubbing it in, sir. I'm merely stating a fact. I have a doctor. All right. Doctor Floyd had it. Yep. Hand oh, up All right, yeah. Hand. When he was a little kid, he was a little fat, spoiled kid. I can tell the type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> closet full of dresses. It's not the same dress. She changes them daily. Daily? Oh, please. <laughs> I can recognize the same dress day in and day out. Madam, they are different. They are different dresses. That is a fact. Take it from me. That's my subject. She breaks them up with a nice little blue sweater and chic belt and scarf every once in a while. And how does she break up those chic little white cotton stockings? Wait now, she hasn't changed those stockings in 25 years. <laughs> I, I take that as a personal affront, sir. A personal affront. I intended it as well. Even if it were the same pair of stockings, I think Annie would rinse them out every night. It's so like her. It's so like her. Oh, so like her. He rinses them out. Take it from her. I hold it. Listen, madam. You should look that good in white cotton stockings. Rinse or unrinse? Hey, uh, white... Now, Daddy Warbucks is a pretty wealthy guy, right? <laughs> Only one of the top billionaires in the world, that's all. That's all. Well, then why doesn't he spring for a few bucks and get her a home permanent? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Really look like a rat's nest. A rat's nest, say. Hey, listen, madam, I noticed the Marcel has gone out of Tarzan's hair lately. Well, in fact, Are you he's kidding? Uh, well, he's wearing a hairpiece. Just, 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 what did what? You say? He's wearing a hairpiece. Well, I suppose that crew cut the Dick Tracy affected as a derriere tree. Oh, no. Oh, look at this gal. You hit a man when he's down and wounded. He's up. He'll, he'll probably get amnesia. No, the man's back on his feet and uh, serves him right, the big jerk. Big jerk? That goes for Tarzan, too. Oh, no. Just oh, no, listen here, Dr. White Stocking. You insulted no, him. No, no, no. Oh, Dick Tracy. People at all the time. Bring Sandy. That's all. And that's animals of our time. Yes, it is. I'm very Kidnap you, look for fingerprints on or about your person. That's a crime stopper. <laughs> oh, indeed it is. And Dr. Linus Quint? Yai. Arf, arf. Glorioski, it's been grand being here. <laughs> finally, Mrs. Edna St. Louis, Missouri. Me, panelist, you, not a <laughs> And so it's good night until next week. Listen, I don't get my next number, I'd like to uh, <laughs> sing a favorite. It's a favorite of mine, and I hope it's a favorite of yours. It's called the Rock Island Line, and it goes like this. 
Now, this here's a story about the Rock Island Line. Now, the Rock Island Line, she run down into New Orleans. And just outside of New Orleans, there's a big cold gate. Pardon me. And all the trains. Pardon me. Yeah? Are you going to sing the song or read it or what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to sing it, but uh, first of all, I always tell the of the story behind the Rock Island Line, sort of. Sketching a little of the background, as it were. You are going to sing it, though. Yeah, I get to it. Well, let's get to it, then. Huh? Okay. And all the trains that come through the toll gate, why, they get to pay the man some money. But, of course, if you've got certain things on board, yeah. okay, you don't have to pay the man nothing. I mean, yeah. okay with him. Uh, all right, all right. Let's okay. step it right along there. Let's snap it up. Let's snap it up. Okay. And just now we see a train. She's coming down the line. And she went get up to the toll gate. The driver, he shot down to the man, he's saying, I got pigs, I got horses, I got cows. Look, you I can got... skip all of that. He didn't let me name all the animals. <laughs> yes, I know, but we don't get... need me... that. He didn't let me get to the sheep. Well, that doesn't make any difference. Well, <laughs> it makes a difference to the sheep. <laughs> Yes, I know, but let's I mean, get the train rhythm going and never mind the sheep. Okay, half the driver, he say, I got whole livestock, I got whole livestock, I got whole livestock. And the man say, well, you okay, boy? You don't owe me nothing. I didn't mention the sheep. <laughs> I know, but let's skip the recitation. Well, I come to the best... Yeah, let's get to the meat of... Yeah, I come to the best part now. I come to the part where the driver foo him. <laughs> he foo him? Yeah, he say, I fooled you, I fooled you. Look, let's just sing the song. Well, right? I think, uh, let me tell you how he fooled the toll gate driver well, with, the, just with the pig the iron. I mean, well, you just sing the well, song? Well, that's the payoff for the routine, you know, I think. I get big reaction to it in clubs. Yeah, will you just sing the song, please? Oh, okay. A lot, of, a lot of people waiting to see how the story... Will you just sing the song? Come out, you know. Will you just sing the well, song? okay. You can disappoint them, that's all. I'll take the chance. Okay. On a rock island line, here's a mighty good road. On a rock island... You sure you don't want the pig iron part? <laughs> okay. The line, here's the line to ride, hold the rock on the line, here's the mighty good road. Well, it was right, I got the right, I might be fine to get the ticket, that's it, oh, rock on the line. Mumbles, mumbles, mumbles. What's this, get your chickens at the station? Oh, get your ticket, get your ticket at the station. Oh, get your ticket at the station. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to interrupt me, will you? Hey, B, C, W, X, Y, C. The cat's in the carbon, but it'll fool me. Hey, no, wait, 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 I know, but is it, a, is it a social significance of some kind? No, no, just, no, just a traditional 
lyric. I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a traditional it's a lyric. lyric. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much, and that'll be fine. I got one more chord. One more chord. On the rockin' in line, here's the mighty good road. On the rockin' in line, it is the road to ride. On the rockin' in line, here's the mighty good road. Well, if you want to ride, I got to ride. I like to find, I got to stick on that state. On the rockin' in line. Is that it? That's the end? Yeah, I... I, I I, I just hope it sells without the pig iron part, that's oh, all. You, you can forget about the pig iron Well, I'm just trying to get you in a little of the background. Yes, I know. Let's get you in a little of the background. You gonna, you gonna release the record? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, also, that's uh, part of my latest Capitol album entitled A Child's Garden of Freeburg. Capitol album number X144250. Well, I'd like to tell you about next week's show, but the entire script blew out of my producer's car and he was arrested as a litter bug. <laughs> so, uh... As soon as he gets up bail, why, I'll let you know. <laughs> I hope you'll be with us next week. Meanwhile, this is Stan Freeberg saying thanks for being with us, God bless you, and good night. Stan Freeberg's show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg, Pete Barnum, and Dawes Butler. Featuring the music of Billy May, Chuck Conman for the mayor, the songs of Peggy Taylor, the Doris Butler, Peter Lee, and June Perret. But still speaking. Stan Freeberg show played backward at high speed. <laughs> How would you like to hear it played forward at normal speed? Please. This is the fifth show of a series of a brand new radio series. From Hollywood, we present the Stan Freeberg show. With the music of Billy Mann. Plus the songs of Peggy Taylor with Doris Butler, June Foray, Peter Leeds, and Judd Collins, Rhythm Airs. You may not find us on your TV, because in case you did not know, we're being brought to you on, brought to you on, brought to you on R-A-D-I. Well, here it is, our fifth show already, and it's certainly been wonderful you folks to tune us in. You notice know, I didn't say, invite us into your living room? Uh, we try to meticulously avoid saying that kind of radio cliche around here. Uh, we also try to avoid saying, a funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio, or perhaps an uh, old clock on the wall says it's time to go, or maybe, and now a word from our sponsor. 
On second thought, I'd rather enjoy saying that one. <laughs> Any of you fellows out there in sponsor land who would enjoy having me say it, uh, be sure and write, even if it's only a contract. <laughs> Mr. Leeds, if you please, would you read the news bulletin? Uh, certainly, Stan. Thank you. From the wires of our news service. A brightly burning, unidentified object lit west coast skies from Los Angeles to Portland, east to Salt Lake City in Boise, Idaho. Police at Wairika in far northern California, near the Oregon border, reported it appeared to be a small, egg-shaped object which gave off blue sparks. A county sheriff's officer said hundreds of observers reported having seen a flying saucer. Thank you. Now, I don't know how much stock you folks put in that story, but within a few hours of the time the object was sighted in the small town of uh, Wairika, California, was it? That's right, Wairika. Yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> <laughs> a uh, flying saucer actually landed and was captured by Mr. Leroy Phipps. Yo, yo, yo. We, uh, what was that again? Yo. Oh. <laughs> now, just how did you find the saucer, Mr. Phipps? Well, I found it next to the carrots. <laughs> I come in for dinner. I was hungry. Mm-hmm. I sat down in the breakfast nook, and there it was, next to the carrots. Must have flown in the window. I see. I thought it was an unusually large Hubbard squash. <laughs> Hubbard squash, eh? Well, how, how did you... I had it all buttered up. Yes, <laughs> sir, I was going to partake of it. And then, all of a sudden, it started making a noise like a little teeny Dixieland band. Well, I'll bet that pretty nice scared you out of your boots. No, I was not wearing boots. <laughs> no, no, I mean, were you alarmed? Well, uh, I thought it was an unusually musical Hubbard squash. <laughs> I'll say that for it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, what happened then? Right after I thought it was an unusually musical Hubbard squash, you mean? Yes. Well, right after that, I'd given up eating supper. Their lid popped open, and a teeny little man with an antenna climbed right out. Well, that's pretty fantastic. Just a moment, Mr. Phipps. So where's the saucer now? What do you think this is? I'm holding under my arm. Well, I didn't know. Here, so set it on the table there. All right. Set yeah. it down. Yeah. <coughs> Gee, it's still buttered up. Well, certainly. I ain't give up hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I don't see any man with an antenna. Well, he was there. Yeah, well, just a moment, Mr. Now, Phipps. wait a minute. All right, you don't believe, I don't believe me. You. I'll go get my wife. No need to bother your wife. Hmm. Certainly is a strange-looking object. Wait a minute. It's starting to glow. What's this? Gentlemen, this is amazing. Bring that other microphone over here, please. Ladies and gentlemen, the saucer is now giving off rather blue sparks. Now a little door is opening. And a little man is coming out. I believe, uh, I believe he's going to speak. Take me to your leader. <laughs> no, no, that's the microphone. I'm over here. 
Are you an Earth man? Yes, I am. What did you think I was? I don't know. I thought you were an unusually talkative Hubbard squash. (laughs) (laughs) You mind if I partake of you? No, please. Uh, my name is Stan Freeberg, actually. Where are you from? My name is Orville. I'm from the moon. <laughs> I got a letter from my sister. She was on your show two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Miss Jupiter, huh? The girl with the shapely wheels. <laughs> Sir, I'll thank you to leave my sister's wheels out of this. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was rude of me. Do, uh, all the people here look like you? Well, no, not all of them, no. Because it's quite a disappointment to me so far, I'll be honest. Well, I think we can fix that. Just a moment. Peggy Taylor, can you over here a moment, please? Why, sure, Stan. <laughs> you see there, Orville? He's a nice-looking boy, isn't he? Great. <laughs> I hadn't exactly thought of her like that. <laughs> I must have a talk with you sometime, Orville. By the way, what made you decide to leave the moon? Well, I didn't care for the climate. We had this stuff in the air. It was a kind of a mixture of smoke and fog. <laughs> the politicians tried to blame it on the exhaust from the flying saucers. <laughs> but uh, actually, it was caused by the green cheese refineries. <laughs> I see. Oh, they kept promising to do something about it, you know, but they never did. <gasps> Big business, you know. I got tired of my eyes burning and came here to Los Angeles to get away from it. (laughs) Oh? (laughs) You think I'll like it here better? Well, I wouldn't send your laundry out for a while. (laughs) Hey, Freeb? Yeah? How about an introduction to the tomato? Tomato where? Orville, that's a typewriter. (laughs) I'd like to see that in a bikini. That's ridiculous. Don't knock it if you haven't seen it. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to be on his show again sometime, Orville. You have a refreshing point of view. I'd have to sell my saucer and move in with you. You think I could get a good price for it? Oh, I think so. It's nearly new. I bought it from a little old lady on Saturn who only drove it on Sundays. It's about uh, 30 light years to the gallon, you know. Well, perhaps we could sell it to a science fiction magazine. Oh, come on. You don't believe that stuff, do you? No, I I don't believe that, John. Neither do I. I'm going to sing. I didn't know you did. Come off it, Freeb. On the interplanetary network, I'm known as the voice of cheese. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know that spaceman over there. Hey, Ogog! That's Billy May. Sure looks like Ogog. <laughs> May I sing now? I have a song for my relatives back home. Fine. Hit it, Ogog. Everybody on yon twinkling star Doesn't matter on which one you are If you're digging me on your radar Hello out there, hello Take it, Freeb 
go. You are a strange and weirdo race. If you are equipped to fly through space, pay a little visit to our place. Hello out there, hello. Take it, thank you. If you got nothing else to do, just rev up the rocket. Pocket to pocket. If you've a pair of wings that you attach to a sprocket, fly on down. Don't you let appearance worry you. They are pretty funny looking too. Anyway, in case I'm coming through, hello. Out there. Last week, we had the pleasure of presenting Dr. Herman Horn, the noted electronics scientist, in the first of three lectures on hi-fi. Last week, we had such wonderful hi-fi demonstrations as the mating call of the aardvark, Luella Parsons putting ketchup on a clam sandwich at the Brown Derby. <laughs> Goodness knows what fascinating experience is in store for us tonight. And here he is, that man about electrons, Dr. Herman Horn. Yes, thank you. By way of simple explanation to the layman, which is a polite way of saying cloth head, <laughs> uh, hi-fi brings out everything that is on the record. Little subtle things like piano overtones, Harp vibrations, clicks, scratches, surface noise. <laughs> all the things you couldn't hear before and amplifies them with magnificent clarity. <laughs> yes. Hi-fi, of course, stands for high fidelity, and no home can be without it. In spite of what your wife says, ignore it. Ignore it. All women are troublemakers who would like to take the money their husbands need desperately for a new and better speaker and selfishly squandered on things like shoes for the children, <laughs> homogenized milk, or perhaps a second dress. <laughs> they, they can sit there and watch their husbands suffer with old equipment which has been obsolete for at least a week <laughs> and deny him the new theater playback system he needs so badly. Shameful, shameful, Mrs. America. Comes now the contest. If you could guess the sound we are going to play, you win a life-size, full-color, inflatable latex rubber Liberace. <laughs> He comes in a sitting position with arms extended, ready to be blown up and set down at your very own piano. <laughs> okay, Strudelmeyer, blow him up. <laughs> Gee, that's realistic. <laughs> He looks like Lee. <laughs> well, on with the contest. Here is an ordinary sound that you hear around the house every day. 
What is it? <laughs> Give up? That was Benny Goodman in a skin diver's suit, 20 feet underwater, playing Danny Boy in a kelp bed. <laughs> Too bad you missed. Well, try again. What is this? Well, you get it? That was King Farouk in a skin diver suit, 20 feet underwater, applauding Benny Goodman. <laughs> Comes now the last sound. Could you guess it? That was the sound of John L. Lewis giving his eyebrows a crew cut for the summer. <laughs> Better luck next time. What a shame. Nobody won. All right, Strudelmeyer, let the air out of the latex piano player. Just a word about the care of hi-fi records. You've heard the expression, cleanliness is next to high fidelity? <laughs> well, all right. When you get home from the record store, wash the hands with surgical soap before removing the record from the plastic envelope. Uh, rubber gloves and face mask are optional. <laughs> next, approach the machine on tippy-toe. You shouldn't raise no dust. To show you how good a sterile record sounds, my assistant Strudelmeyer is going to play a dust-free, surgically clean LP but has never been touched by human hands. After he gets through with it, it still ain't been touched by human hands. <laughs> From the edges, handle it only, Strud. Strudelmeyer. It works better if you remove the plastic envelope first. <laughs> That's a little better. That'll be enough, Strudelmeyer. As you know, ladies and gentlemen, under the Hi-Fi Oath, Section 22, Paragraph 18, Strudelmeyer must be destroyed at once. <laughs> Get a big fire going under that oil, Strudelmeyer. I want it boiling! <laughs> Unfortunately, we will not be able to continue with Dr. Horn's speech due to the fact that he seems to be cooking something on the stove. <laughs> but he will be back again next week with more fascinating information on the subject of hi-fi.
foray. Uh, pardon me, Stan. Oh, yes. So what is it, June foray, as they say in radio? Uh, do you mind if I go home now? Well, uh... uh... I don't have any other bits coming up. I know, but I'd like to have you stick around. I mean, why do you have to dash off? Is this your bowling night? No, that was last night. I want to get home and look at something. You mean on that little box with a screen? Yeah. Sorry, you know the rules here in Radio June. Oh, sorry. come on, Stan. Let's deviate. <laughs> well, if you insist, we just happen to have one of those things in my dressing room. <gasps> you do? Shh, don't tell anybody. Come on. Gee, I didn't know CBS Radio would allow one of those things, Miss B-Y-L-D-I-N-G. Well, don't spread it around, huh? Gee, a whole ten-inch set? <laughs> yeah, I'll snap it on. Gee, it sure is funny looking. Yeah, I had it made up egg-shaped. CBS Radio just thinks it's an unusually pictorial Hubbard squash. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe me, I won't tell them. Hey, we're just in time for my favorite band leader. You mean Bubbles? I think he's fading on now. Good, I like him. Thank you and good evening, friends. Um, we've, we've been getting lots of cards and letters from you folks. From you folks out there in television land. <laughs> and we surely do thank you for, uh, for, uh, for all the cards and the letters from you, uh, from you folks out there in television land. <laughs> Starting us off tonight is our trio, the Lemon Sisters. And girls, so what are you going to sing? We're going to sing... Thank you for all those cards and letters you folks out there in television land. Lant. Lant. And apropos a number. A one and a two and... Bubble machine. Turn off the bubble machine, please. Somebody. Folks, folks. Just a moment. I'm sorry. Hold it just a moment, please. Turn off the bubble machine. Please turn off the bubble. Thank you, Lemon Sisters, for that lovely number. <laughs> a wonderful, a wonderful number. <laughs> now, on the way to the show, there's that man with a deep, deep voice, Larry Looper. <laughs> a 
what are you, what are you going to sing for us, Larry? I'm going to sing uh, Thank You for All Those Cards and Letters. <laughs> I'm sorry that number has been taken. Well, I'll sing the funny old hills then. Good. One, then two, then. I'm happy on the prairie all the day. Singing Lady Olay. Lady Olay. And the funny old hills sing back to me. Hold it just a moment. Hold it. Bubbles don't come till the end of the program. <laughs> Please turn off the bubbles. Turn off. Uh, thank you, Larry. <laughs> uh, thank you, Larry Looper. Uh, and now I would like to play a short instrumental medley based on the names of the girls. A one, and a two, and... No. No, that's not it. Thank you so very much. I hope you enjoyed that short instrumental medley. Now here's that young man about town from the brass section, Stony Stonewell. <laughs> to sing, please. Please, Just a moment, please. Hold it. Just a moment. If I don't count off the number, we can't hope to start off neatly. <laughs> Here we go. A one and a two and. See how lovely that turned out now? Please, lend your little ear to my feet. Lend the rain to my feet. Tell me that you love me. What is the matter with that machine? Just a moment, here. Hit it, hit it with your horn. That's got it. That's got it. Thank you, Stony Stonewell. And now... Hit it. Hit it again. Hit it with the horn. Hit it. And stick your mouthpiece in it there. Hit it. A wonderful, a wonderful. <laughs> and now, on the way to the show, woman. Here... Here's our champagne lady, Alice Lean. <laughs> what are you going to sing? I am going to sing Wonderful, Wonderful, and now on with the show. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, that's just a little laugh on me. <laughs> and I got a little laugh on you when you get your paycheck this week. <laughs> Alice is going to sing Moonlight and Shadows. So one and two. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in 25 years, my popping finger is caught in my cheek. <laughs> will, you get, will you give me a hand, Alice? Pull on my arm. Pull on my arm. No, the other arm. That's it. That's it. 
eight years. A one and a two. Moonlight and shadows and you in my arms and a melody in the bamboo tree, my Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg and Pete Barnum with original songs by Stan Freeberg. Featuring the music of Billy May, Judd Conlon for the Mayors, and the songs of Peggy Taylor with Dawes Butler, Peter Leeds, and June Foray. Bud Sewell speaking. Oh, people, people, do you know what next Sunday is? No! What is next Sunday? Next Sunday, we have set aside one minute as a time of universal tap dancing. At the given moment, people around the world will put aside their differences and tap dance side by side for one minute. (laughs) At the given time, stop. Get out of your car, step out of your houses, wherever you are, and let's tap dance with our fellow man. If you can't tap dance, don't just sit there. Snap your fingers. (laughs) Or at the very least, hum tea for two. (laughs) We'll have microphones... We'll have microphones set up around the world as each country joins in. That's a week from tonight as we set aside a time of universal tap dancing. Let this, then, be the first move toward international brotherhood. (laughs) Until next week, this is Stan Freeberg saying, brush up on those taps. God bless you for listening, and good night. The Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy May. 
Watch the songs of Peggy Taylor with Dawes Butler, June Parade, Peter Meeks, and Judd Conlon, Rhythm Air. You may not find us on your TV. Because in case you did not know, we're being brought to you on. Brought to you on. Very much, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, do you know what this sound is? That was a condensed version of the confidential magazine trial. I just received a large airmail package this week. It was postmarked from northern India, and in it, of all things, was one orange sneaker, size 26. <laughs> it could belong to only one man, or should I say beast, my very own abominable snowman friend from the Himalayas. If he'd sent two, you know, it would have been a gift, but one made me know that he wanted to see me. It's kind of like uh, being sent half a garbage scow. You know, you have to match it up with the owner of the other half. So it was off to the Himalayas again. I was trudging along at the 20,000-foot level with my tape recorder turned on when suddenly... <laughs> Hello, Stan. Kind of startled you there a bit, did I? <laughs> Why, yes, I didn't quite expect you to creep up behind me like that. <laughs> I notice you're affecting a bit of tremolando in your speech. Is that the newest thing stateside? <laughs> no, it's just a little heart palpitation there, nothing serious. I think for those who missed my last visit with you, you should describe yourself. Oh, nothing much out of the ordinary, huh? Ten and a half foot tall in my bare footsies. In your bare what? Footsies. And you're completely covered with hair. But I'm tidy, Stan. <laughs> yes, you do dress well. I notice you've changed your ensemble today. You're wearing white sneakers. Oh, Stan, come on. Look again. Well, those are white buckskin shoes. That's right. Me and Pat Poon, Stan. <laughs> Sharp, aren't they? You're kind of sharp, too. You must have figured I wanted to see you when you got to my orange sneaker. Yeah, I figured that. You brought it back, didn't you? Oh, sure. No trouble? No trouble. Sure? Sure. All right. All right. <laughs> well, that's good. Halloween's coming soon. I always wear them to the dance. Uh, orange shoes and a black mask. That's my costume. My, uh, ensemble, as it were. You mean the abominable snowman have a dance? Oh, yeah. I hope you uh, don't think I'm quibbling, but I still don't enjoy being called abominable. I don't know. I... Oh, I don't know. I guess I'm just picky. <laughs> no, not picky. Oh, yes, I am being a little... No, you're not. No, what should I call you? Well, you could call me by my right name for a start. Glad to. What is it? You uh, you didn't give me your card last time. Oh, didn't I give me my business card? Wait a minute. <clears throat> 
Oh, there it is. Here you are. Let's see. Francis, what is it? Obama. Obama New Yamaya. Oh, yeah. Francis Obama New Yamaya, snowman. Mountain climbers terrorized. Uh, reasonable rates. Right for free booklet. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, your uh, Halloween... Can I have the card back, please? Oh, yeah, here you are. <laughs> your uh, Halloween... I'm not as wealthy as some people. Uh... <laughs> to make one go around. Your uh, Halloween party. Tell me a little about it, Francis. Well, uh, at the party, we we bob for mountain climbers. <laughs> Pin the tail on the timber wolf. Live timber wolf? Well, it's not much fun otherwise. And uh, you dance, do you? Oh, certainly. We have a sharp little combo. Oboe. English horn, two flagellettes, and a schnakenspiel. A schnakenspiel, is it? Yeah, a local instrument. Frozen vipers, Dan. Frozen the snakes, as it were. Yes, they're tuned. They sound a little like woolen orchestra bells. You can only play them after the cold sets in, or you get bit. Yeah, well, let's get back to the orange sneaker. Why did you send it? Uh... Well, uh... <laughs> Dan, I, uh, <laughs> I got myself engaged. Engaged? Well, congratulations. Thanks, Dan. Let's shake on that. <laughs> Would you mind squeezing my hand the other way to get it back in shape? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. Oh. Yeah. Well, tell me about your fiance. Her name is Gladys. She's from Bangalore. Mmm, boy, what a torpedo. <laughs> well, maybe I can meet her at a later date. No trouble. She's right around that mountain over there. Well, uh, I must meet her, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah! Gladys! <laughs> I'm coming, Francis! I'm coming, honey butt! <laughs> uh, this, uh, uh, this is Stan Freeberg, sweetie pie. Oh, he's cute. Let's keep him for a pet. <laughs> Anything your little heart desires. Yeah, well, we could put a collar and a leash on him and, and make a run for him in the cave. Oh, sure, honey. He can be a pet for you while I'm working. Yeah, well, I sure I'm honored by all this attention, but uh, I have to get back to CBS, you know. Oh, you'll be happy here. We'll feed you good. No, I hate to interview and run, but uh, I, I can't stay, <laughs> even with a collar and a leash. What Gladys wants, Gladys gets. Come on, Stan. No, I will not. I'll hold my breath till my face turns blue. Well, good. That'll just match your eyes. <laughs> well, Stan, I, I thought you'd be flattered. I wanted to give you the Gladys for a wedding present. No, if you don't let me go, I'll tell my friend Pat Boone not to autograph your white buckskin shoes. <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, I would. I'd do just that. You would? I would. Do you think he means it, dear heart? I wouldn't take a chance, Francis. <laughs> well, what, what about the wedding? Well, it depends. Do I come as a guest or a gift? <laughs> I'll speak to Dad. Francis. You're going to give him a little something to remember his by. I guess. 
Oh, sure, honey. Just shut your eyes, Stan. We want this to be a surprise. Don't we, honey? Oh, yeah, just a little something to remember us by. Well, it's no need to. No, no, close your eyes. Close your eyes, Dan. We'll sneak up behind you. Here you are, Dan. And that is how I left my dear friends, Gladys and Francis Abominable. <laughs> I suppose many of you who listen and fidget during our historical sketches have considered us asking us uh, pointedly, where do you get that stuff? Well, I'll tell you where we get that stuff. From our uh, historical research man. And here he is, Mr. Robert E. Tainter. <laughs> well, uh, Bob. Uh, just call me Mr. Tainter, Stan. <laughs> All righty. Well, Mr. Tainter, I know uh, we've covered part of it before, but would you mind if we uh, sort of ran over your background once more? Uh, not at all, Stan. My background is there for anyone to tromp on. <laughs> kindly watch those hobnailed shoes. I'm a little sensitive around 1943. I see. And in 1943, you were... Into the Mike Wallace routine right off, eh? <laughs> well, nosy... In 1943, I was in Germany getting my kicks in the Gestapo. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, that must have been nice. Well, it was different, Stan. Different. <laughs> Change of pace never hurt anyone. Never hurt anyone. Couldn't hurt. In uh, going through their files, Stan, I came upon this sidelight to our own Revolutionary War. Naturally, it was marked top secret, confidential, uh, not the magazine. Oh, yeah. Classified material. Mm, real hush-hush, you know. It wasn't even leaked to Drew Pearson. <laughs> no, this report was dated January 1780 in New Jersey from the commander of Hessian Expeditionary Forces on the banks of the Delaware. Mm, 1780. Uh, look, uh, you're not suggesting there was any hanky-panky about Washington crossing the... Yeah, I think we better forget this week's expose, Mr. Tainter. <laughs> the D.A.R. plays rough, you know. Now, don't worry. It's rough. Stan, General Washington is as clean as the bum. <laughs> you remember, Stan, the famous painting showing Washington crossing the Delaware? Clean as the bum. Yes. <laughs> Pretty darn clean. Yeah, that is. Yes, uh, I remember the painting. It was my favorite. Well, what actually happened that cold, blustery day was this, Stan. Martha and George. Yeah. Oh, say, Martha. Martha. Yes, George. Will you get the door, please? I can't right now, George. I've got to watch my fudge. <laughs> Watch your fudge. Well, what's so big about watching fudge? Well, somebody in the family's got to make some money. You've been red-lined for the last six months. Oh, don't rub it in. All right, I'm coming, I'm coming. <clears throat> yes. Hey, General Washington? Yes. Lieutenant Wright reporting, sir. Well, lad, don't stand outside and freeze. Come inside and freeze. <laughs> hey, yes, sir. 
Uh, now then, uh, right. Oh, sir, I have just returned from patrol with a detachment of men, sir. Oh, my poor men. And they'll be freezing in their worn, threadbare greatcoats and those silly three-cornered hats. <laughs> never like them, never hey, Yes, sir, General. <laughs> and their poor feet, no shoes, wrapped in rags. Yes, sir, just rags. Well, if we can't look like soldiers, at least we can act like soldiers. Tell them to polish those rags. <laughs> hey, yes, sir. We've, um, we've captured a prisoner, sir. We think he's a spicer. Spicer? What's a spicer? <laughs> I mean, we think he's a spy. Yep, watch your military courtesy, right? You should always say sir when you address a superior officer. <laughs> yes, sir. We think he's a spicer. Spicer? What's a spicer? I pass, sir. What's a passer? Well, passer, it's like Van Brocklin, sir. He plays with the Los Angeles Rams, sir. Oh, what's a Ram, sir? Uh, uh, <laughs> sir, maybe I'd better go out and come back in, sir. No, 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 that won't be necessary. Look, uh, let's take a look at the fellow, Lieutenant. Okay, sir. Uh, if, oh, no, never mind. If he is a spy, we'll give him a short shrift. And in this weather, even a long shrift would be pretty chilly. All right, Martha. Uh, yes, George. Come on, I've got to go out and inspect the troops. Fine, George. Well, aren't you coming in to say goodbye? Well, not now, George. My Pinocchi is just starting to set. You and your puppets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's a great little woman, Lieutenant, but business. All business. <laughs> Let's go. Sergeant Crossington. Yes, sir. Bring up the men. Yes, sir. Last man. Plan hut. 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 All right, who's the wiseacre with taps on his rags? Uh, that's me, sir, Lieutenant, sir. I nailed down some taps. Nailed down some taps? What in the world for, Crossington? Well, General, sir, once in a while I start to break into a little soft shoe routine. You know, to keep me warm. But nailing them on, doesn't it hurt? No, sir. Only when I do splits. <laughs> well, take the men down to the river, Sergeant Crossington, and get the boats ready. Lieutenant Wright and I will interrogate the prisoner. Yes, sir. All right. That's men. All right. rather well at that. <laughs> Very nice. All right, prisoner, step forward and give an account of yourself. Your own general. Hoo-hoo-hoo. This must be the place. <laughs> general Washington. <laughs> well, <clears throat> right? Right, yes. Well, we start painting right away. Painting, painting, painting what? General, you are getting ready to cross the Delaware. This is a historic moment. I got to paint it. How do you know it's a historic moment? I looked in the back, back of the book. Back of the book, yeah. <laughs> you're, uh, you're a painter, are you? Jawohl. I am Heinrich Flugelmann, painter. Well, we're under the impression that you're Heinrich Flugelmann, spy. What do you think of that? 
It's a pretty mm. thick accent you got. Well, it's the thinnest I could get. <laughs> what are you, German? Ugh, no. Uh, Austrian? No. Dutch? No. Burlesque? No. I am a Swiss. A Swiss? Yeah. That way we don't offend nobody. <laughs> Good thinking. Good thinking. Well, my apologies, Herr Fugelman. <laughs> you taught General Washington. <laughs> you taught I was a Hessian Spicer. Spicer? What's a Spicer? <laughs> he plays football for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> now, come with me, General, to the river. We start painting that great historical masterpiece, Washington Crossing the Delaware. Lieutenant Wright, sir? Yes, Sergeant Crossington. I thought this was supposed to be a picture of General Washington in the boat. It is, Sergeant, but you can't expect the General to hang around here while Flugelman is just painting in the background. No, sir. I guess I just lost my head. Yes, I guess you did. <laughs> this guy paints pretty fast, though, sir. Yes, he does. Well, I'll go get the general. Sergeant, look at the men. Some of them are frozen, all bent over. Get them straightened up there in the boat. Yes, sir. And Crossington. Yes, sir. Look at that ice. It's filthy. Get out there in the boat and get it cleaned up before the general gets here. Do you hear me, Crossington? Uh, yes, sir. I'll clean it up right away, sir. I'll do that. Oh, general... General Washington. Yes, that's coming, Lieutenant. Oh, look. <laughs> Just take a look at this picture channel. It's my masterpiece. You never looked nobler. But, Mr. Flugelman, you made a horrible mistake. Yes, I didn't even get in the boat. The, the whole picture is a historical goof. You mean? Yes. You haven't painted Washington crossing the Delaware at all. It's Crossington washing the Delaware. Sam Freeberg, that story was disillusioning. Oh, well, Jeez. Peggy Taylor, do you believe everything you hear on the show? Why, everything, Stan, everything. Good, good. Now, uh, what are you going to sing? Oh, I don't know. Why don't we sing a duet? The boys have Gordon Jenkins' new song, I Can't Sleep. They're on the music stand, huh? Well, let's take advantage of that fact and sing it. Honey? Yeah? Oh. Uh, I can't sleep. What's the matter now? I can't sleep. Well, let me show you how. I wish you would. It's as easy as pie. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. You just close one eye. I'll try anything. Then the other eye. Now doesn't mean a thing. Count to a thousand by two. I'll never make it. I believe you have got a bad case of those go-to-sleep blues. Well, when I was a little boy and 
and the Sandman didn't arrive. My mother used to kiss me goodnight. But you were only five. It's the only way I can sleep. I'm a failure at counting sheep. If you kiss me, then I can sleep. <laughs> well, we could give it a try. Yeah. <clears throat> Honey. Yeah. Uh. What? I can't sleep. Did I hear my name? I can't sleep. That's an awful shame. Well, what'll I do? Pull the window shade down. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I can't sleep. You just close one ear. Close one ear. Okay. Then the other ear. What? What? You ought to be sleepy by now. Well, I'm not. I believe you have got a bad case of those go-to-sleep blues. When I was a little girl and the Sandman passed by my door, my father used to kiss me goodnight. But you were only four. You're a little bit older now. But the habit's still there somehow. If you kiss me, then I can't sleep. We could give it a try. Good night. Attention, through a new electronic discovery, we are able to pick up the first television program actually being broadcast by moon people. Take it away, moon. And with the playing of that familiar theme, it's time, it's time for another visit with the moon's favorite couple, Ralph and Alice, <laughs> better known to you as the Honey Earthers. It's morning as we join Alice in the kitchen. Oh, the earth shines bright in my sit on and eat your breakfast, Ralph. All right, Alice, what do we got? It's a new atomic cereal, Ralph, called Nuclear Nibbles. Comes in a lead box. Okay, dump some in my bowl. Ow, ow, ow! You dropped a box on my foot. Which foot? How do I know? I'll take off my shoes and see. can see, Ralph. I've got an eye, you know. <laughs> oh, you're a dandy. <laughs> One of these light years, Alice. One of these light years. Pow! Right in the antenna. <laughs> oh, Ralph. I may lose a toe. So what? So what? It takes a half an hour to grow a new one. 
for lunch and not in eat here. Hello, hello. <laughs> All right, stop shouting in my ear, Norton. Well, well, well. How's it going down, low people? <laughs> Terrible. I had a fight with Alice. How can I square myself with Norton? Well, uh, how long you and Alice been married, well? Three hundred light years. Okay. So how come in all that time you never took Alice on a honey, huh? Not what a great idea. When I get home tonight, I'll tell her we're going on a honey earth. That's your five out. Uh, you're a sweet kid. Now let's... <laughs> Be that as it may, now let's see what Alice gave me for lunch. Ow! What's the matter, Ralph? I dropped the lead bag on my foot. Atomic chicken livers again, eh, Ralph? <laughs> <laughs> oh, har, har, hearty, har, har. Well, that's two feet gone. Now I only got one good foot left to drive with this afternoon. Gee. What a job. All day long, it's come on, folks, move to the back of the rocket ship. Yeah, that's rough, Ralph. Well, I'll unpack lunch. Hold this ketchup, Norton. Sure thing, Ralph. You know, it's a small moon. You complaining about your job. All right, hold this all. Okay. Because I'm getting pretty fed up working out of that green cheese mine. <laughs> hold, hold the mustard, will you? Okay. When I get to work, I'm green cheese from hands to foot. <laughs> hold the Tabasco. Okay, Ralph. Hold the mayonnaise, will you? All right, all right, Ralph. I only got four hands, you know. <laughs> Alice, Alice. I'm here, Ralph. Hello, Ab. Alice. Sit down, Alice. Alice, we, uh, we've been married a long time, and I, well, I got a little surprise for you. Didn't you always say you wanted to go on a honey earth? Yes. Go get your suitcase. Oh, Ralph, you mean... Certainly. Norton ain't got nothing to sit on. <laughs> What's that racket? Uh, it's an organ grinder. Outside the window, Ralph. Hey, looky there on the windowsill. A little earth man on a string with a tin cup. Gee, look at him. He's got two legs, two arms. Two eyes, two ears, a mouth and a nose, and a pinstripe suit. And only one head. Take a look, Norton. I can't look at him, Ralph. He's too gruesome. <laughs> Listen, he's playing our song. That's right. And you know what? You're the greatest. Come here, you. Did you like that? Sure he liked it, Ralph. Now put a penny in his cup and come to dinner. <laughs> Thank you. Well, uh, we're still having trouble in presenting tap dancing around the world. As you know, we want to get all the people in the world tap dancing together at a given moment. <laughs> but uh, we've run into a little snag. Uh, meanwhile, we'll all be back next week with many surprises, including a vocal group called the Toads, who are going to help me sing 
Shaboom. Meanwhile, if you'd like to see our show, just write CBS Radio Hollywood, California for tickets. Until next week, this is Stan Freeberg saying thanks for being with us. God bless you and good night. Stan Freeberg Show is produced in Hollywood by Pete Barnum and is written by Stan Freeberg, Pete Barnum, and Dawes Butler. Featuring the music of Billy Mays, Judd Conlon for the mayors, and the songs of Peggy Taylor. For Dawes Butler, Peter Lee and June Foray. Bud Sewell speaking. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.